0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. They're going to kill the love of my life. Yes, if I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal a truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money is it dangerous
1: of course it's dangerous
0: nicholas holt felicity jones with ben kingsley and anthony hopkins all this trouble all this pain for love collide in theaters friday rated pg-13 maybe inappropriate for children under 13
2: and i try to when i'm setting my own roster i try and and follow that um Because otherwise, this this isn't fun, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, I got to think I'm a little bit smarter than the people I'm playing, and I got to really be able to enjoy it when I am.
3: This is the Fantasy Soccer Podcast, brought to you by Rotowire.com, your premier source for fantasy sports. For news, rankings, projections, DFS lineup optimizers, and more, head over to Rotowire.com slash soccer. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Gottlieb and Andrew Lair.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. My name is Andrew Laird, senior soccer editor of rotowire.com. I am joined today by Taga's John Wallen, who's been nice enough to join us for a few different podcasts. I uh, went out of my way to schedule this one on the day before Thanksgiving so that Mike uh, could not do it and therefore couldn't uh, hijack all of the questions that we ask uh, John, but John, thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you very much for having me, Andrew. It's a great way to kick off Thanksgiving weekend.
1: There you go. we are talking. We're going to talk Taga mostly uh, in this podcast um, because uh, that's right in John's wheelhouse. Although he is an expert in plenty of other um, formats, but uh, we're going to start with the perfect eleven game, which um, I adore. This game, and I kind of use it as the the example of uh, when people complain on uh, when they play on DraftKings or Fando, like, oh, the pricing is too easy. You can have whoever you want. And uh, my response is always, I play in a game where you can have whoever you want, and it's not any easier. <laughs> um, every, the, the kind of the big complaints are, uh, you know, oh, you can have anybody, and so everybody's going to have the same people. And the easy response is, well, one, no, they don't. And two, if everybody has the same people, then you're not beating them. And so there's this whole, you know, the differential strategy becomes even more important because, yeah, you know, you don't have to fit um, – the salaries in. Uh, so John, you, uh, were gracious enough to compliment me on a few tweets that I sent out recently about, uh, guys who made the perfect 11 and then you uh, decide to hijack an article I was going to write. So if you could explain that to,
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, um, I, I saw the tweets that you shot out and then the one that really caught my eye was you'd mentioned that Tom Heaton, um, Burnley's fine goalkeeper had been the perfect 11 goalkeeper. Uh, three times already through just 12 weeks and so I went back and I took a you know a little bit more of a look at that because you know obviously Tom Heaton and you know, feel free to jump in here anytime Andrew because I know you know all this stuff but um, you know he leads the league in saves mm-hmm. and he most certainly does not lead the league in clean sheets so what I wanted to do uh, particularly for the draft format was go back and look at where clean sheets um mattered more you know whether clean sheets mattered more whether saves mattered more and i think it's fairly unequivocal that you know if you're playing in draft and and i would argue that it's really the same for any format you need to be drafting for saves and not for clean sheets heaton has 63 saves already this season which is staggering Mm -hmm. um the next highest Total is Sunderland's Jordan Pickford. He has uh, forty-seven, which is sixteen fewer. And you can actually roll down five games worth. (laughs) Sure, or it's Fraser Forster's entire season. Fraser Forster only has seventeen saves in twelve games. Forster has four clean sheets. You know, which obviously is more than Heaton's clean. Sheets. It's more than Pickford's clean sheets. Pickford only has the one. He just got it last week. Mm-hmm. Ben Foster only has uh, three clean sheets. But Heat and Pickford Foster are one in the save table. Not coincidentally, they are one, two, three in the total points table. And um, you know, so I went back and started trying to build, a, you know, find some rules for picking um, maybe a differential side, but you know, really just kind of picking a smarter side. And I am, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I know that this upcoming week we're seeing a lot of the goalkeepers that are at the high end face opposition where we would typically expect them to just get run out of the building. I mean, you know, Tom Heaton and Burnley are hosting Man City. Jordan Pickford and Sunderland have to travel to Anfield and play Liverpool a week after Liverpool got frustrated by Southampton. Um, you know, that those those two players, are they're 1-2 in points, they're 1-2 in saves. Do you like Tom Heaton and Jordan Pickford this week? Or are you more comfortable trying to chase a clean sheet and go for somebody like Ben Foster traveling to Hull City, Lucas Fabianski uh, hosting Crystal Palace, uh, or even p- picking somebody like Peter Check who's going to be uh, home with Arsenal against Bournemouth? Uh,
1: I think the Tom Heaton like phenomenon has been... Uh, I think we're stretching it a little too far. Um, not so much about Heaton himself. Like Heaton is the... Um, highest scoring goalkeeper in FPL, which is like a very clean sheet, usually a very clean sheet dependent, um, uh, dependent game. We have, uh, Heaton being like the top price keeper on FanDuel because they have so many, you know, they give so many points for saves. DraftKings is kind of the same way, even though uh, goals allowed are, um, Are are negative points as well, but like uh, I think we're starting to say like oh, uh, get the guys who make a lot who see a lot of shots and you'll be fine. And the problem is is that Heaton saves more of these shots than other guys. So like Heaton is at the top of the goalkeeper list in FPL in terms of points because of all these saves he's making. You were saying how like Jordan Pickford is second um, in in saves this year, but he's like fifteenth in FPL scoring because he doesn't make like enough saves so like the i think we're seeing like tom heaton We're like all right burnley give up a lot of shots a lot of them are on target and he saves them so we must go after teams that see a lot of shots because that means that there will be a lot of saves and the problem is is that just because a team is taking a lot of shots doesn't mean uh, they're not going in (laughs) and so um heaton is kind of i think Heaton's in a class by himself um that yes, you can you can look at teams that are that are making saves, but um, I got in a little Twitter spat today over um, yeah. We're, so we're kind of in the middle of a Champions League uh, week here. Borussia Dortmund scored eight goals la- yesterday, and uh, I made a comment because um, the Legia Warsaw goalkeeper at one point had negative uh, twelve points on DraftKings, and uh, I kind of made a tongue-in-cheek joke about how you know that wasn't a good play and. Everyone was like, well, obviously he wasn't a good play. And it's like, well, actually, he's, he's fitting into this mold of exactly what people are starting to do now, of let me pick the goalkeeper who's going to see the most shots. And obviously that's a, a very extreme case, um, letting up eight goals. But uh, I, think, I think Tom Heaton, like I said before, I think Tom Heaton's in a class by himself. So like going after saves is one thing, but going after Tom Heaton is another, if that makes sense.
2: That's absolutely fair. So talking about shots um, shots against, specifically let's look at shots on target against. Mm-hmm. Burnley has far and away given up the most. They've given up 83 through 12 games played. Hull City are second with 76 shots on target against. Sunderland are third with 73, and Leicester uh, and West Ham are level fourth with 63. Now certainly Kasper Schmeichel I think falls into that Tom Heaton category where you're seeing him make the bulk of you know, turn most of those shots away. He's he's converting them into fantasy points. He's not taking the negative points for the goals allowed. But, uh, you know, if you're looking at Hull City, whether it's David Marshall or Eldon Jakubovic, you know, even Leicester now with uh, Robert Ron Zeiler in in place of the injured Schmeichel, it's a question about whether or not you want to trust them. I think I, I would say that I'm always going to I'm always going to hope I get the clean sheet. So I'm going to use shots on target against in conjunction with shots on target for. And so this week, the guy that I'm high on is Swansea City's Lucas Fabianski. You know, Fabianski, you know, Swans are in the middle of this ridiculous run. I think they're winless in our last 11 um, you know Swansea's like sort of mid table in terms of shots allowed on target. Uh, Fabianski is at the top end of the table. I think he has 37, 38 saves. Um, and last week, obviously, you know anybody that was you know in, in the states that was watching Bob Bradley and you know try and try and get his first win for Swansea City against Everton, you know hearts were broken when Seamus Coleman heads that you know that mm-hmm. incredible looping header into yeah. the upper corner, you know in, in the waning moments of the match. But I mean that's what it took to beat Fabianski last week. And so this week he's facing Crystal Palace. You know, Pardew's job is at risk. Palace take a bunch of shots, but frankly, not many of them are very high quality. They seem to be lacking that cutting edge despite acquiring Christian Benteke from Liverpool over the summer. You know, so you have these these players that absolutely post good fantasy scores, particularly in, in draft like Taga. You know, you have uh, Jason Punchian, Wilfried Zaha um johan kabai even benteke when he's not scoring he does a lot on the ball which you know is is credited in draft and in certain salary games and so i think there's a there's a nice nexus there where you can find a team that takes that takes a decent amount of shots i guess you, you correlate the the number of shots they get on target with a poor conversion rate so a few goals scored but lots of shots on target and then you try and pick a goalkeeper that whose team allows like a number of shots but maybe not the most shots mm-hmm. and that's how i ended up um you know touting uh ben foster for w uh, for west bromwich last week um that's how i ended up touting um uh, you're gonna have to excuse me for one second because last week was last week and i'm full on in this week rank <laughs> modes but um you know there were um, excuse me Jordan Pickford I picked last week I doubled down I said to pick out Jordan Pickford and Patrick van Aanholt yep. um and and do a mini defensive stack and that worked out well you know Sunderland gave up a bunch of shots I think Pickford made five saves obviously he kept the clean sheet and you know that was that was sort of the perfect storm and I think Lucas Fabianski is that player this week and I, I think that's a a strategy that anyone can use moving forward those stats aren't hard to find you can find shots on target for and against i mean if you just google that a number of sites will come up um, it's it's pretty easy to then correlate that across, you know, going over to Playtiger and, and looking at your player list, or or going into the official FPL, whatever it might be, and you know, just charting a little bit. Take three minutes of your time, you know, shoot me a, a tweet at Fancy Gap or shoot you a tweet at RotoWire Andrew. I mean, we know, we know these things. We're happy to answer those questions, and I think it's a it's a good way to go from getting five points out of your goalkeeper to getting nine, ten, maybe twelve points out of your goalkeeper each week.
1: Yeah, we um <clears throat> at the beginning of the season. Um... The the saves were so important because clean sheets were so were so low, and uh, you know obviously when there aren't that many clean sheets, you get the points elsewhere and and saves are it. Um, Chelsea seemed to have flipped the script on that, uh, and what's weird is that <clears throat> Mike and I kind of have always been very you know wait on goalkeepers and or don't worry about keepers and defenders. The the Chelsea defense. Uh, at least this clean sheet record seems to have nothing to do with um, Thibaut Courtois. Like the looking at, I have this kind of which um, or one of the one of the tools that we're working on on Rotowire, which is something we said like shots and shots ag- uh, against. Um, do you know how many shots on target um, Chelsea have allowed since that Arsenal game? Like they they switched to the three four three basically at halftime of the Arsenal game. So since then was that six games? Do you know how many shots they've allowed on target?
2: So I I know that in the last six games, which they've kept clean sheets in on the spin, he's only recorded 10 saves. So 11, maybe 12 in that period? It's
1: nine. Yeah. Five of which (laughs) came against Manchester United. That's what's crazy about it. So they allowed two to Hull, none to Leicester, one to Southampton, none to Everton, and one to Middlesbrough. And it's like, so you're getting the clean sheet, which is better than, you know, getting blasted but like that's almost the extreme case like you want teams that allow shots which is kind of where I like your your Swansea call because like the Chelsea defense has almost been too good that you're not getting enough value out of Courtois because he's he's basically getting zero and or one save clean sheets which in a lot of formats that's just not enough to to be the best guy in that week
2: yeah, and you're seeing that. I mean, so go back, he's got six clean sheets on the spin, but over the last six weeks, he's only been the perfect 11 goalkeeper once, and that was in that game week nine match when Chelsea hosted Manchester United and he had to make the five saves. And he posted 19 points in Taga. That's a a very good score. I mean, typically goalkeepers, you know, I think Tom Heaton for all of his heroics is the highest scoring goalkeeper. He's still averaging less than 10 points. Mm -hmm. There's no goalkeeper that averages double digits. So if you can target a goalkeeper that you feel is going to give you 10 points, you are ahead of the game every week.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, When you, one of the um, improvements that you guys did from last year to this year was, basically rolling your team over week to week in case you forget to set it which really saves somebody like me who um come 10 a.m on saturday morning eastern at least for me and i have 17 things to cut, 17 teams to set sometimes one doesn't make it but um when you're doing your perfect 11 do you clean it out every week and start fresh or are there guys that you find yourself keeping in every week
2: there's been a trend lately where I've started looking for streaks, and particularly streaks that I feel are sustainable. So you look at somebody like uh, Eden Hazard or Kevin De Bruyne, um, both those players obviously on fire, and it's it's hard. They've just they've had really good fixtures, and you don't want to take them out. Um, what I do try and do. So I, the short answer is no, I don't clean my squad out every week. Uh, but what I will do, I may end up flipping all eleven. If I feel like ownership percentage is getting too high, or I feel like it's one of those things where maybe a manager in a, in a Thursday or a Friday press conference starts addressing the fact that, you know, we're actually going to shift our tactics to push Manchester City to come through the middle. And well, now we have Yaya Torre back, so Manchester City, you don't maybe don't want to push them to come in through the middle. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's there There are those little triggers and and I try and be pretty dutiful about you know updating people um, you know on, on Twitter or Facebook wherever it may be about about what we're seeing and what we're hearing from the EPL community. But I think that if you're going to be successful, ultimately you have to take you have to be willing to uh, I think about it like cards, right? If you keep betting five dollars every time, at the end of the day, what's the best you're gonna do? You're gonna double your money. You have to selectively pick those hands where for whatever reason, feeling or you know, math, you just say, No, this is where I'm gonna take that ten dollar bet I just want, I'm gonna double down on it. I'm gonna take that twenty dollar bet I just want, I'm gonna double down on it. And so three weeks down the road, you're looking, you know, at having exponentially more points than you would have had you really tried to be super analytical. You know, you just you you have that little bit of a hunch or you have that one statistic that you're willing to hang your hat on, you know, maybe it's uh, Adama Traore, right? Like has the most successful take ons of any player over two weeks for the last three years or something like that. And you go, all right, well, they Middlesbrough is clearly giving Adama Traore the ball. Uh, you know, I know that those uh, those take ons are going to give him a floor of seven or eight points. You know, if that guy can just pop a goal this week, all of a sudden he goes from being a midfielder four to, you know, uh, you know, earning three, four or five times his cost. And all that's that's the way that you win weeks. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to stick with guys, but I only stick with those guys where I feel like the risk, you know, the risk justifies it.
1: I don't think there's a non-Triore in the world that doesn't love Adama Triore as much as you do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's fantastic. Listen, anybody who's been following me since 2010, 2011, it goes Hatem Ben Arfa, Wilfried Zaha, Adama Triore. Like that's that's it. It's the guy that I have absolutely no club affiliation for. I have no other rational reason to love except for the fact that when I catch him on highlights, when I sit down and I watch, you know, a match, you know, he's the only person that I'm watching. And when you're riding their hot streaks, their hot streaks are phenomenal. You know, it's, it's hard to get away from how much talent some of those guys have. Oh, that's not fair. Um, there was there was one guy in between who was the player. I can't even recall his name now. And that is tragic um queen's park rangers he was my in-between player between hatem ben arfa and uh and Wilfried zaha oh good lord uh I the rangers forward he's I, um, oh, was a forward. Moroccan. uh moroccan i'm gonna have to google some stuff man because that's <laughs> gonna wreck my brain for the rest of this podcast and i'm sure there are people out there screaming it at me um maybe adele tarabat oh wow yeah God, man, i I own that guy in fancy Premier League for I don't know how many years, I overpaid for him in draft. I, <laughs> I paid I paid a premium for him, you know, in, in weekly games. I didn't care. he was he was locked in on my team too many weeks.
1: Where is he now? Uh,
2: uh, now he is uh, Benfica?
1: No, oh, he is still active, I guess.
2: Yeah, he I mean he's still playing. I mean, he's only 27, 28, is he really well? maybe? Yeah, something mm. like that. But I mean, listen, dude, I, he scored. He must have scored twenty-five, thirty goals for Queens Park Rangers, and I, I don't think he was there more than three seasons. So it's mm-hmm. not like he did nothing. Yeah. But uh, you know, he was that mercurial footballer where you're just like, good lord, if this guy could do anything, like I want to make him do in FIFA in real <laughs> life, he'll be he'll be the player that you know delivers me the fantasy championship. Um.
1: So he kind of falls in this differential. Uh, category that I wanted to touch on next, because you have been a staunch, uh, differential supporter for as long as I've known you. Um, I think the, the longest topic that you focused on, um, it was, I think it was the beginning of last year when you were on the men and blazers podcast was just being, you know, when you're setting up your FPL team, it's important to find guys that other people may not have, because if they have a big game, then you make a, a huge jump. Um, and perfect 11 is kind of the the ideal differential game as well, just because, if, you, like I said before, if you have everybody that everybody else has, you're not going to win. How many guys uh, within that 11 do you feel is necessary to be a differential? Like, if you go with the, is nine chalk guys and then two differentials enough? Do you prefer to just go all out and go for 11? Like, what's the right, what do you think is the right balance for that?
2: I think if your 11 doesn't have Three guys that are differentials, and, and just for anybody who's not, you know, real up to date, we're still using differential in the sort of, you know, old school late 2000, early 2010s. 2000 like a player that's owned by five percent or fewer of the um, of the leagues that you're playing in. So if you're looking at, you know, official league, you know, those numbers are readily available. You're looking at Taga, those numbers are, are pretty readily available. Um, but you want to have a player that five percent or fewer uh, have selected for the week that you're picking them. And I would say three, and I don't really care where it comes from. That was my next nice question. It's, yeah, if it's, a, if it's a goalie and two strikers, I mean, that's fine. If it's, you know, you're playing a three four three 4 and, and your entire defense is a differential, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I don't have a ton of rule. I mean, you know this from our conversation. I don't really have a ton of rules on this. Like, I would play... Uh, I would play a differential defensive line stack if I thought that it was good. I mean, this week at Chelsea, I actually really, because of the stats we've already mentioned, I really like the Chelsea defense um, against Tottenham, particularly in leagues where you can still get Marcos Alonso as a defender, despite the fact that he is very clearly not a defender in Antonio hmm. Conte's system. So if you can play David Luiz, uh, Cesar um and, uh, and Marcos Alonso in a three-man back line Chelsea defensive stack, And they go in, they frustrate Tottenham, who frankly needed a miracle to to beat West Ham last week. Um, You know, I I think that's that's a really good differential play, and and I'm I'm touting them this week in my column at Sports Illustrated. Like I touted Marcos Alonso and David Luiz as differential plays, and, and I laid out that exact argument. You know, these guys are phenomenally good defenders. They've got six clean sheets on the bounce, seven clean sheets on the season. People might not be expecting that they're going to be differential plays, but so many quote-unquote savvy players are going to look at that Tottenham match, are going to remember that Harry Kane hit a three-minute brace at the end of game week 12, and they're going to say, I don't want any part of that. That game ends 5-3. to three. And mm-hmm. I think there's a real good chance that game ends 1-0. The
1: Spurs one. Yeah, absolutely. The
2: Spurs-Chelsea match. Yep.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, at least I don't expect much out of Spurs just because they seem to... I'm not sure uh Pochettino knows what to do. (laughs) I feel like he's in kind of this lost area where he's got too many guys that play very similar positions. He still hasn't figured out where they should play. Some of them are always suspended, it seems. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Spurs. But, yeah, Chelsea seem about as organized as any team I've seen in a very long time. And... I'm not sure you'd ever want to face, or, you know, go up against them. I'm guessing uh you're not a big Gary Cahill fan cuz he was the only defender starting Chelsea defender that you didn't mention.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not a huge <laughs> Gary Cahill fan. And, you know, in part that's that's it's unfounded, right? I mean, if you look at it, he's played uh almost 1100 minutes this season. He's played uh, 1074 minutes. Uh, he's played in all 12 matches. Um In Taga, he scored 113 points, which equates to a nine-point, just about nine-and-a-half points average, and that is phenomenal. I mean, Gary Cahill is unquestionably a top 40 defender every single week, which means in a traditional 10-team draft league, he's a a no-doubt starter. You know, Um, he's a a defender two, maybe a defender three. But he is the lowest-scoring member of that defense. Yeah. And— when you have the option of only playing three of them, I will always pick <laughs> the <laughs> highest scoring three of them. Um, and, you know, part of that is his ability has given a little bit more freedom to go uh, run down the flanks. He's created—it's it's not very many—through 12 matches, he's created six chances of those five or key passes. One ended up being an assist— Gary Cahill has created just one chance all season. He does have the, he has the one goal, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a fluke goal. If Gary Cahill ends this season with three goals, feel free to tweet mean things at me because <laughs> it's, it's just not happening. Um, so, you know, it, it, again, it comes down to those little things. I mean, listen, you and I spend far too much time looking at spreadsheets and, and parsing matches and things, and you realize that most players end up being ranked in tiers. So there's eight guys that we think are, are basically the same guy. Week over week. So then what do you do? Inside that tier, you go, well, this guy's playing Burnley and he's playing him at home. And Burnley are without uh, Sam Books because he's injured and Andre Gray because he's suspended. And they only got two shots a match in the last three weeks. So I'm going to give that guy, you know, this week, I'm going to give him the nod over somebody that's playing Arsenal at the Emirates and is, you know, facing a healthy Olivier Giroud, a healthy Alexis Sanchez, a healthy Theo Walcott. And, you know, it's, it's those things that, you know, when you say them out loud, maybe they sound massive, but in the, in the actual mechanics of playing a match, they're not that massive. And when you look back on fantasy scores, there's going to be maybe a, a two or three point difference between, you know, that first player and that second player, but the successful fantasy manager, the ones that are putting in, and I'm not suggesting a lot of time, you know, Andrew, I'm saying three, four, five minutes, maybe instead of picking your lineup in, in 90 seconds, pick it in five minutes and you'll start to see those things and, and your team's just going to get better. It's going to get exponentially better by the end of the season.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, For those who don't know, which uh, if anybody knows you, they should know this, but you're a Liverpool supporter. I am. And Liverpool uh, are pretty deep when it comes to attacking options. Uh, Do you find yourself uh, changing kind of your uh, internal Liverpool attacking rankings at all, or do you – do you continue to think that I assume you think Firmino is, is the best of the group since um, I'm not sure you're allowed not to think that after what you contract
2: contractually obligated. Right, right. I believe you are
1: um, for those. I mean, basically after uh, Liverpool bought uh, Roberto Firmino from Hoffenheim, um, John was by far the loudest outcryer of this guy is going to be awesome. Um, and even, i believe he was even a topic of that original differential conversation with men and blazers and um, while he started a little slowly at the beginning of last year um, it looks like you were exactly right that he's awesome um, and so uh, you know if if you're going into a, a a perfect 11 each week and you say all right liverpool's playing i mean basically it's one of are there are there more than like three situations where you wouldn't Think that you'd play a Liverpool guy. It's probably like at Chelsea. Mm, that might be it, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, so the nice thing about Roberto Firmino and just for a minute on him is that he scores points across the board. So one of the reasons that I, you know, that I prefer playing draft and, and that I prefer playing at Taga perfect 11 is, you know, we're scoring in, in 15, 16, 17 categories, uh, across matches. So that means things like successful take-ons where you beat a man on the dribble, successful crosses, you know, key passes, chances created, uh, on the defensive end, making interceptions or winning tackles, having aerial duels won or clearances. And, you know, Roberto Firmino is phenomenal across all of those um, across all those categories. He does have the five goals and five assists this season. And since Jurgen Klopp uh, was appointed manager of Liverpool, uh, Roberto Firmino wa- has been more valuable than uh, Harry Kane. He's been more valuable than Riyad Mahrez. He's been more valuable than Philippe Coutinho. He's been more valuable than Sergio Aguero. Uh, and I'm just speaking in terms of purely in terms of fantasy points. Uh, I mean, he's he's perfectly built for Klopp's system and I owe the Liverpool board a debt of gratitude for firing Brendan Rodgers and saving <laughs> my career as an FPL pundit. But uh, that team, it gets stacked a lot. And so if you're playing a Roberto Firmino is a forward, which is what he should be. Um, there's a decent argument that next season, Philippe Coutinho is going to be a forward. Mm-hmm. And forward gets very clearly distinguished for us from striker. Um, as teams have moved into playing a lot more three-four-three or 3 um, or... You know, three, two, however you want to parse that, one, three, whatever it might yeah. be. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it, it becomes necessary for fancy platforms to ad, uh, to adapt, and I don't feel like m- most have. I feel like we're we're really good about that. Um, the one you know issue that players do have with us is that we lock positions um, at the time of the at the end of the August transfer window. And so James Milner is still a midfielder. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of goes to your point. When you look at the TAGA top scorers uh, for Liverpool, it's Philippe Coutinho, midfielder. Then it's Roberto Firmino forward. Great. I love having the two of them stacked. Then Sadio Mane, who's still a midfielder, despite playing in that forward role, because he was classed a midfielder um, at Southampton. Southampton, yeah. Right. Because obviously Southampton used to play a lone striker, or, or sometimes a pairing of strikers, when they had the Charlie Austin... Um, Shane Long LA pairing too. at the end yeah and so Sadio Mane midfielder, James Milner who's Liverpool's left back is still a midfielder, Adam Lallana midfielder, Jordan Henderson midfielder <laughs> um, you know then you you get down into Nathaniel Klein, Dejan Lovren but then there's Jorginho Wijnaldum, there's obviously Emre Khan who's been valuable, there's Ben Lucas who's been playing um, at the back and has been valuable in the minutes that he's gotten because Livia um, so it, it's it's tough but again I don't I don't oppose playing mini sacks three or four and in perfect 11, uh, unlike traditional salary cap games, there are no restrictions. So if you want to play five Liverpool players, you're certainly welcome to, if you want to play Liverpool starting 11, I mean, you're welcome to. Um, And again, this kind of goes back to the point that we made maybe 10 minutes ago. I may not have a Liverpool player in my, in my squad, every side, I may have the same Liverpool player in my squad for four straight matches. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, taking that tact with Sadio Mane has worked out very well. Sadio Mane, if you go back and look at his goal log, he basically scores every other game. It's a goal, it's no goal, it's a goal, it's no goal, it's a goal, it's no goal, it's no goal, it's two goals, it's no goal, it's a goal. <laughs> it it just it's it's phenomenal, you know. He's he's involved every week and he just seems to pop up. And so if you're someone that's looking for consistent points week over week, maybe you play uh, Roberto Firmino, Sadio Mane, or James Milner. If you're somebody that's looking for like a massive match, maybe you play Felipe Coutinho or Jordan Henderson um, because those guys have, have had the opportunity to pop up and and have just phenomenally large matches. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to, was it the 5-1 win um, against Hull where uh, James Milner scored the two goals, and he, you know, I think he scored 30 points in Taga. I mean, 30 points is as an astronomical uh, return in any fantasy (laughs) in any fantasy league so you know i mean it's it's somebody's personal threshold for um tolerance for wanting to have a big week versus knowing what you're getting and then you know kicking over to draft a little bit i think you play that within the week if it's if it's a monday night game and you're winning by eight points i think you start james milner if it's um you know a saturday 3 p.m english time kickoff maybe you just, you know, you roll your dice with your best guy, quote unquote, and you play Philippe Coutinho.
1: I would argue that James Milner is a midfielder who just happens to be playing at left back. I like that argument. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, are there any other teams that you have found yourself stacking um, that are not Liverpool or Man City, I guess? Uh, yeah, I've stacked Man City a lot this yeah. season. Is it, um, is it beyond Aguero and De Bruyne, though?
2: Yeah, it absolutely is, because oh, okay. I really like the idea that you can use um, Raheem Sterling as a forward, hmm. and then you have the opportunity of using a second midfield slot. So you can use a 2-2 a, a stack where you can play um, Aguero and Raheem Sterling as your two forwards, and then you can use um, KDB and then another um, another player in the back, and you don't limit really your, your midfield attacking options. So whether that's been uh, Nicolas Otamendi and uh, Kevin De Bruyne or David Silva – uh, there have been a matches where I've stacked with Nolito uh, or even Fernandinho, um, and I know a bunch of people were uh, were stacking. They were running the Claudio Bravo, Nicolas Otamendi, uh, Ilkay. Uh, I'm never going to get through Gundogan, Kevin De Bruyne, Sergio Aguero. Six. We saw that six-player stack Jeez. a lot. Um, like, I mean, not you know 100% of our players, obviously, but you know that that six-player Man City stack gets used from time to time. Um, we've seen entire midfields filled out with Liverpool players because they play across the pitch, and you know you can start uh, James Milner, uh, you can start Milner, uh, excuse me, Milner, Lolana, Coutinho, and Mane, and that's your four midfielders. We see that stack a lot. Um, the other players, excuse me, the other teams that I really have been enjoying stacking have been non-traditional teams i actually recommended a um a matt phillips led uh west bromwich albion uh, attacking stack last week which worked out pretty well
1: i worked i didn't have (laughs) i didn't have it in
2: my 11 but i told people they should do it (laughs) (laughs) you know there's that um and then uh this weird arsenal stack has has been you you have to kind of cross um you have to cross positional lines. A lot of people, you know, I, I shouldn't say a lot of people. A number of people rode Alex Owebi, thinking that you know he's a young player, he's got a lot of potential, he's really on the come. And then he didn't produce in fantasy. I think he's averaging less than six points a game for fantasy purposes, despite you know being a, a solid contributor in that front three, um, just in behind Alexis Sanchez and, and continuing to get minutes. But as Aaron Ramsey comes back, as Santi Cazorla gets healthy. Um, maybe even trying to get some more minutes for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who still has fewer than 400 minutes played this season. I think Awobi's probably out. Um, but you can st- you can stack uh, Carl Jenkinson now, who's in, if you're looking for a differential play. Not a lot of people are on Carl Jenkinson yet, who's filling in for the injured Hector Bellerin. Uh, you can certainly use Peter Cech. Um, uh, Mustafi is, is not getting the love that his center-back pairing, uh, Laurent Koscielny, is. But if you strip out the goals scored for Koscielny, um, Mustafi's actually been the more productive defender mm-hmm. for fantasy. Yeah. And then you have, obviously, you have your choice of running any of the three Arsenal strikers, who are Alexis Sanchez, Olivier Giroud, and Theo Walcott um, up front, and you can pair any of them with Mesut Ozil, and, and you have a nice four, uh, four-player Arsenal stack, uh, which is probably a stack that we're going to see a lot this week because they're hosting uh, Bournemouth, and there's no reason not to stack them.
1: As long as they don't get hurt today. Um, Fair enough. <clears throat> and who do and,
2: and who do you support?
1: Yeah, <laughs> the um, the the whole process that I have, uh, at least when I go in to build my team each week, is literally, uh, I throw out guys first. Like I actually don't look necessarily for guys I want. It's who are the guys that I had last week that I don't want this week, and I feel like sometimes that actually makes me end up keeping guys week to week because i'm like oh this guy was fine last week i'll play him this week um which is why i asked you if you kind of start fresh um when you go through but the what's like the first thing that you do when you like you obviously like all right here are the big you know here are the favorites here's you know who's supposed to score the goals but like is there a position that you go to first like do you say all right let me get my attackers done or do you go the opposite way is, you know, Oh, so-and-so is playing home against Hull. So I'll, let me go get the, that goalkeeper.
2: Yeah. I'm a little bit superstitious in that. I, well, superstitious maybe uh, practical, maybe I don't like picking attackers against my goalkeeper. Yep. So I will almost always inevitably do the defensive analysis first, go in, look and see who I think just on, on raw numbers. So, you know, these are the teams that have scored, Uh, you know, two-plus goals a match, what goalkeepers are they facing? All right, do I like those guys to make a lot of saves, or do I like those guys to get absolutely annihilated? All right, I like those guys, you know, to make a lot of saves. Let's put them in. So would I start Tom Heaton this week against Man City? Yeah, maybe I would. Would I start Jordan Pickford against Liverpool? I absolutely would not, and that has nothing to do with my Liverpool bias. That has to do with the fact that I think Jurgen Klopp has Liverpool primed to come out and score seven. I mean, that team is is phenomenally good at maintaining possession and and registering shots on goal and it's it's always going to be a matter of luck whether or not those go in um so i'm gonna i'm gonna go look at my goalkeepers and then i think maybe you find this the same way but as you're going through and you're doing your defensive analysis you're inevitably picking up these little bits these little facts that you like about forwards so you're looking at, you know, um, Southampton and you're saying, well, you know, they haven't really taken that many shots on goal, but Charlie Austin's recorded fifty percent of all of Southampton's shots on target this season. But yeah, I should probably start Charlie Austin this week against Everton because, you know, Everton's pretty loose at the back. You know, Leighton Baines coming back hasn't really solidified that and Seamus Coleman's, you know, great going forward, but you know Ashley Williams hasn't provided the the level of foundation that they thought and you know Martin Stecklenberg's shown can clearly get beaten so I, I really like Charlie Austin to maybe take eight shots have four of them be on target and, and score a brace you know and, and that stuff i think almost organically happens and i try to when i'm setting my own roster i try and and follow that um because otherwise this, this isn't fun. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I got to think I'm a little bit smarter than the people I'm playing and I got to really be able to enjoy it when I am.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, everything that you're kind of talking through makes me just further that point that like the idea of no salaries doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have all the same players because we just have so many players to choose from. And there, it's not like there's only one good situation each week. And even if there are only two good situations, that doesn't mean you're picking the same forwards and midfielders. And if you are, you still have four defenders and a goalkeeper that you have to worry about. Like,
2: yeah, absolutely. So like, I mean, let's, let's walk through it this week. Right. I mean, when you first look at, uh, and we're, you know, we're using game week 13 of 2016 season as, as our template. So, you know, you have Manchester city traveling to Burnley, you have Liverpool hosting Sunderland, you have Arsenal hosting Bournemouth. I mean, obviously those three matches really pop out, but, even within those three matches, do you use Roberto Firmino? Do you use Sergio Aguero? Do you use Alexis Sanchez, Olivier Giroud, Theo Walcott, Raheem Sterling? That's that's six forwards, that are players that are classed forwards. Just on that team, you only have two spots. So even within that team, now you have to decide who within those teams you have to pick who you want. And if you're any kind of um, you know if you're any kind of motivated player and you're trying to move up the board, the first thing you're going to say is, I guarantee you, and this is this is probably the best strategy tip I have if there is a position that is just screaming out that they, everyone is going to be on two guys that's the first position I'm going to look to go differential so if everybody under the sun is going to be starting Roberto Firmino um, home against Sunderland and Sergio Aguero traveling to Burnley I'm going to start looking for somebody else I'm going to maybe play Aguero's line mate Raheem Sterling uh, in that same matchup but I'm going to start looking somewhere else I'm going to look at Charlie Austin against Everton or, or Troy Deeney against Stoke because all of those players are are quality players, and that's how you end up picking somebody like Solomon Rondon or, or Matt Phillips last week, um, you know, for the Albion and, and going in and getting four. Um, without those plays, you know, the same thing uh, with Sunderland, you know, popping up and, and hitting three Jermaine Defoe and uh, Victor Inigovi, the guys that were on. Jermaine Defoe last week because Jermaine Defoe has an odd habit of popping up and, and scoring 150-odd Premier League goals. <laughs> Those are the people that that end up winning their fantasy leagues, the people that, quote-unquote, always captain Kuhn and just have Sergio Aguero run out there every single week. In some formats, that works. In Tiger Perfect 11, that doesn't work.
1: The Anichibi thing is still just crazy to me. But um, the, the Aguero thing, I, I think he's now... He's ha- had four scoreless games in FPL, which, you know, he's a fairly goal-dependent player. He's obviously uh, a very good uh, option to win the Golden Boot any year. But, like, he just goal scores in general. Like, they, they go on these weeks where they just don't score that much. And um, just kind of the, looking for the differential, we see that uh, just as much in, like, picking a captain for FPL. That people are like, all right, I'll just go with Aguero every week. And you're going to lose ground to a lot of people who are not doing that just because, um, sure, he could go off any week. But you're going to, you know, the the one week he goes off is not going to make up for the four that he didn't. And so, you know, not going uh, with the grain, uh, with everybody else who's p- picking him each week, it kind of falls right into this perfect 11 category, you know, topic of, you got to find people who others are not playing. Uh, and, you know, it sounds like, you know, that's kind of a, a very basic uh, fantasy sport, you know, uh, strategy, uh, at least in the salary cap, or, you know, effectively in these formats where anybody is available. Uh, you know, obviously, in draft, you don't get these same opportunities. But, uh, you know, if you do a little work, you're going to be able to to either make up ground, you know, if you're far behind, we, Mike and I talked about this a few weeks ago that he basically feels like he's too far behind in FPL now. And it's like, well, if you're going to just keep captaining Ibrahimović or Aguero, then yeah, you're not going to catch up. But because so many people are going to be captaining them, you have an opportunity every single week to make up ground. And I mean, Ibrahimović hasn't been that great. Aguero's kind of just, like you said been up and down that finding going a little deeper for these guys, like, charlie austin this week like that's where you make up uh make up the difference
2: yeah the other place particularly if people are going to play uh people are going to play taga if you're playing in our perfect 11 if you're playing in the app i would suggest that you go to our website playtaga.com. i would suggest that you create a username and password and go in and and start a draft league and play draft because it's going to make you a better perfect 11 player you're going to know more players, you're gonna have a deeper knowledge. And then you're also gonna have access to this great players tab where you can go in and you can sort by average score. So that is for is your total points divided by your games played. And you can simply scroll down and I'm just gonna give you a couple of real quick ones because this is how you find very good differentials. Wilfried Zaha for Crystal Palace has on a per match basis outscored Zlatan Ibrahimovic this season. Mm-hmm. Zaha is playing against Swansea. Swansea, I mean, I love Louis Fabianski this week. I I love uh, that Bob Bradley has made Gilfie Sigurdsson his out-and-out striker. But if ever there was a pick I could be wildly wrong on, Crystal Palace could come out, open the floodgates, and you could see that match end with Zaha having three assists, Benteke and Punchian each bagging a brace. I mean, that Crystal Palace team is it's as frenetic as Alan Pardew's sideline machinations. I mean, it's it's possible to go off at any given time. So that's how you find a differential. You know, you look at Wilfred Zaha and you say, okay, that's one of my midfielders. You know, you keep scrolling down and you say, okay, kind of blows my mind that Juan Mata and Joe Allen are basically the same player for fantasy purposes. What blows my mind even more is that they both outscored Mesut hmm. Okay, so I think Mesut is absolutely going to be in my squad because I love him against Bournemouth. Do I think that Joe Allen, excuse me, that... Uh, Juan Mata at West Ham is going to be underowned because West Ham is maybe perceived as being a little bit more defensive, or Manchester United are, are perceived as being less attacking oriented than Arsenal. You know, maybe that's how you do that, or maybe that's that's the uh, moment where you go yeah, I don't believe that Juan Mott is as good as Mesut Ozil, and I'm starting Mesut Ozil. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you, and you're able to just completely go the other way. But scrolling right back, down, I mean, this is this is a very good way to go and pick them. And so, I mean, this is how, you know, I, I go down and I find that, um, you know, Stoke City Shakiri, he's got Watford. Watford is nothing special defensively. And people are forgetting about Shakiri because he only has 563 minutes played this season. You know, people forget he had an injury and, and he was out for five, six matches. Mm-hmm. So his total points are, he's only scored 72 points. This season, which, you know, again, on a 12 match basis, that would be really poor. That would be six points a game. But he's only played 5- 560 minutes. He's scoring 10.5 points. That is more than Della Ali. That is more than Antonio Valencia. That is more than, you know, my favorite, uh, new favorite, uh, Nathan Redmond, for, you know, future hmm. Liverpool standout, Nathan <laughs> Redmond. It's more than Ryan Mahrez. I mean, th- you know, so you, you scroll through and you start looking at, these statistics that they're not necessarily, they're not necessarily predictive statistics. They're not necessarily uh, rooted in in you know proper football analytics, but they give you a much different view of the way the game is played, and they allow you to pick players that maybe you wouldn't otherwise pick. And again, that's why I, I always recommend people go and play draft because I think playing draft, you know, it opens your eyes. If you're playing in a league with ten teams they each start 11 players that's 110 players starting every week there are not 110 players that are going to be owned more than 10 percent in a salary cap game in a cash money game anything like that you know if you look at the ownership tables at the end of those weeks so what are you doing you're picking from a much smaller pool you're picking from the 50 best players or the 40 best players come play draft you have to pick from the 200 best players every week and when you get good at draft you're going to notice that you start dominating your perfect 11. You're going to start winning your weekend cash games. You're going to start winning, you know, your traditional salary cap games.
1: Uh, I went to my, one of my draft leagues uh, and did all of that. I went through the players to available players and sorted by average. And it was just thrilled to see Yaya Torre at the top of the list. Cause who else would it be? 25 and a half points per game. Not bad. Yeah. Um, what was great to see though was kind of back to what we were talking about before Marcos Alonso is the eighth-highest-scoring player per game. Um, he's at seven, almost 17-and-a-half, so he's ahead of Diego Costa, Lukaku, Aguero, Alexis. Those are the guys right behind him, which kind of right, just right, proves...
2: Right behind Roberto Firmino. Right, exactly, that's
1: <laughs> right. Um, just kind of, uh, you know, obviously the the scoring categories are a little deeper in Taga than a, a bunch of others, but um, the the impact that Alonzo has had since coming into the starting lineup has just been pretty incredible from a fantasy perspective, at least.
2: Yeah. And so that, I think that might be the, the last really good bit of sort of universal advice I have, which is look for players that are playing out of position. And I think that's important for two things. A lot of people are, are knocking James Milner playing out of position as a defender and they're saying, well, he's not getting the credit for the clean sheets, even though he's responsible for them. That's true. But James Milner is playing out of position for Liverpool every single week of every single match. You know, a player like that is never going to be out of the lineup. And when you look at what his total points are, he's still producing. So that's great. I mean, that's that's one way to look at an out-of-position player, right? Somebody like uh, Jeff Cameron, mm-hmm. another player like that. Jeff Cameron is going to get moved around in the lineup. That means he's going to get minutes. And so he's um, you know he's a player that... Maybe you target as a, as a defender four, knowing that he's going to get some matches in the midfield. Uh, the other way that you look at that is a player like Marcus Alonso, a, a player who is rated, uh, quote-unquote, behind where they actually play. Because as you obviously progress further back in the field, you get more points for the defensive contribution. But in practice, you're playing further up the pitch, so you have a greater chance of contributing on the offensive side. And in most games, target included, those attacking stats for goalkeepers, defenders are weighted a little bit um, more. So Marcus Alonso may get an extra point for that assist or that goal, um, that Nemanja matic doesn't get. But mm-hmm. in reality, when you look at a heat map at the end of the match, Marcus Alonso was playing ahead of Nemanja Matic 87% of the possession. So, I mean, those kind of players are phenomenally valuable to have, um, and they're they're much harder to find in Taga and in Draft you know what i mean again uh, Roberto Firmino's not a midfielder he's a forward Theo Walcott is a forward not a midfielder Raheem Sterling is a forward not a midfielder uh, somewhat uh, controversially Yannick Balassi for Everton is a <laughs> forward not a midfielder <laughs> mm-hmm. and all of those players um, if they were rated midfielders you would see their ownership uh, go up a little bit um, but the reality is the fact that all of those players are eligible at forward they make them phenomenal differential plays. Um, they sometimes slip out of the consciousness because you don't necessarily think. When you think striker, you know you think Diego Costa, you think Sergio Aguero, you think uh, Romelu Lukaku. You don't necessarily think, uh, you know, uh, Theo Walcott. You don't necessarily think Raheem Sterling. And um, the, you know, as a player, just keep those guys in the back of your mind and, and remember, and, and you're going to see that you're going to climb up the
0: table.
1: That's good. That's great. Um, my last question, to you. Uh, before we finish up, is who do you think is the highest scoring player from here on out? After I guess after Roberto Firmino, <laughs>
2: um, that's a that's a really good question. Uh, I probably believe it to be Eden Hazard. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I, I, I somewhat controversially, I guess, said that I was not on Eden Hazard or Harry Kane. And I looked kind of ridiculous on Eden Hazard for the first three weeks, and then brilliant for the next 32. <laughs> and I looked brilliant on Harry Kane for the first 12 weeks, and and ridiculous for the last 26. But um, you know, it, it's those are moves that you should be making in season, in my opinion. You know, going out and targeting somebody like Anthony Martial right now, I think is is much more valuable than trying to identify who the highest-scoring player the rest of the way out is, because probably the highest-scoring player for the rest of the way out is somebody that you're not going to be able to pry away in a draft league, and it's probably someone that you're going to be selecting every week in a perfect 11 anyway, whether it's Kevin de Bruyne or uh, Roberto Firmino, Eden Hazard, uh, Sergio Aguero. I mean, these names are they're familiar to everybody. Um, one possible... Player that i don't necessarily think will be in that conversation i think alexis sanchez is gonna drop from where he is i mean we've seen his hamstrings be taped to the nth degree <laughs> um people that are not familiar with his summer exploits he has been uh, playing for chile in the summer each of the last two summers uh, progressing all the way to the final uh, in each of those competitions and ultimately lifting the trophy in each of them he has been playing thousands of minutes that you are not seeing mm-hmm. uh, in the EPL every week. And um, Olivia Giroud is back and healthy. Theo Walcott looks like he has acknowledged that the role that he's going to be best in is this role that Arsenal Wenger wants him to play, not necessarily the one Theo Walcott wants to play. Um, Lucas Perez still hasn't played for Arsenal in any meaningful way, and, and he's still sitting there. So I think we see Alexis Sanchez get rested. I am I am very concerned uh, for fantasy owners that that starts in game week 13 against Bournemouth, just for anybody that's paying attention to my Twitter feed, uh, you're going to see me tweeting <laughs> a lot about Alexis Sanchez's status upcoming. But those guys, Andrew, like the highest scoring player is going to be one of those six guys. You know, what I mean, almost inevitably, I guess there's a chance it could be Harry Kane. There's a chance it could be Zlatan Barimovic. Uh There's a chance it could be Philippe Coutinho. But again, what is that? That's that's ten guys that realistically anybody could say. If mm. you know, if this were Vegas, it'd be those ten guys on the board, and then you could get the field at twenty-five to one. Right. You know, it's it's not a it's not an expansive club, but the players that you should be targeting are the guys that we are almost certain are going to get minutes when they're healthy, and are going to be beneficial to your team. So again, I'm looking back. at at somebody like Anthony Martial for Manchester United, who was a consensus top 15 draft pick this summer. He's someone that should be able to show um, considerable potential once he's able to get into that lineup. He has the skill set where he ought to be able to mesh well, um, both in link up play with Vladimir Ibrahimovic and in link up play with uh, Paul Pogba and Juan Mata. Um, he still has only played, God, I don't know, 385 yeah, minutes?
1: It's, it's tiny. Yeah.
2: It's, it's itty bitty. And, um, so somebody like that, um, you know, if managers are selling Luke Shaw because they think that Jose Mourinho is done with him, I'm, I'm happy to buy shares in Luke Shaw. Um, somebody like Cedric Suarez, uh, the defender for Southampton, he's been injured, mm-hmm. you know, going out and picking him up. We, you know, we touted Ryan Bertrand in, the, in that same way. Um, as uh, as Leighton Baines you know those attacking wingback defenders who seem to pick up a little niggling injury like every now and then and then it's <laughs> three or four matches yeah but when they're playing those guys are gold and um so that's who I'm looking at right now I'm, I'm probably less concerned with targeting the guy I think who's going to be the most out and out valuable for the next 25 weeks and I'm trying to find the players who are going to outperform their first 12 weeks exponentially um over the next 26.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, John, thank you very much. This, uh, you know, we always get much smarter when, when you come on and I have a (laughs) great time playing Taga, both the draft and perfect 11. Um, even though, you know, it's, it kind of, all of it adds another wrinkle to, to fantasy premier league as a whole, which is always something that I like. Hopefully one day we'll get maybe some sort of consistent scoring across. Um, that's kind of the biggest gripe I think that anybody has with with uh, fpl but frankly the the more scoring categories that we have on different sites the more you know it helps people who really put in the work which obviously i fall into that category so i'll happily take that <laughs> but uh thanks for coming on and uh yeah thank you
2: it's yes, been my pleasure have a happy thanksgiving and uh hope to be back on soon
3: thank you for listening to the rotowire fantasy soccer podcast